Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay. And John, Corona fever, baby. I'm on lockdown. Uh, lockdown. Next two well, you know weeks. what? We're always on lockdown. That's true. I mean, you know, through the whole thing, uh, we're going to keep hustling, we're going to keep grinding, we're going to keep rising to the next level. I just like to parrot everything I see on Instagram about, you know, that's how I live my life, basically. Just, just these kind of trite, meaningless, lacking in substance affirmation, just like rise to the next level. I don't, I don't really know what that means, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it, though. You're, you're, whatever that level is, you're rising to it. Hey, I don't care if my work is shut down the next two weeks. I'm going to be in there every day. They're going to have to hose me down with the disinfectant. That's fine. 
That's right. I'm you just buy it, that big old bucket of Purell. That's right. Jump in that, Lather and you're good to up. go. <laughs> Lather down in Purell. And uh, I don't see what the problem is. Uh, Bill de Blasio, man after my own heart. He is not closing the New York City public schools. Screw that. Hey, man. You got you to gotta fight through it. Yeah, that's right. He said, uh, you know, I don't know. Being a public official takes a certain type of personality because you are damned if you do and you are damned if you don't. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, half the population is going to hate you no right. matter what you do. Right. Or, or if you really screw up, you're going to get 60 to 70% of the population. You're lucky you. if only half the population hates you. Yes. That's a good That's day. what I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. That's a good day. But I, I actually read an interesting, before we get into our topic, I read an interesting article by um, an individual who used to work for the CDC and the World Health Organization um, in terms of the what we should be doing uh, to combat um, coronavirus. And his take was, let it spread. So that the world builds up an immunity to this and it doesn't morph into more viral strains. So basically what he's saying is if you're healthy and you're young, here's the clock. Here we go. Matt has already contracted oh. that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm going to get in my car and get to the emergency room. <laughs> and they're going to be like, and we're, we're telling you for the sixth time you don't yeah, have. You've taken 10 tests already and they're all negative. Wussy. <laughs> uh, not to joke around, I'm sure they've got a fair amount of hypochondriacs in there thinking that they have the coronavirus. A fair amount. I'm, I'd say there's probably a significant amount I and mean, there are people who nothing has to happen and they're at death's door i mean oh they're they're death's they door. look for it well, anyway, yeah well anyway so he's basically saying if you're healthy that you should go about your daily activities and if you catch it you catch it you might get a mild form you might get something like the flu but your body will build up a natural immunity to it and you're doing um the rest of humanity, the other, you know, whatever the statistic is, 10, 15, 20% of the population who should not do that, if you're old or immune compromised, you should not go out, you're, you should not go about your daily activities. But you are, um, you're helping to mitigate the, uh, not the spread, but the ultimate deaths. His, his take was, Less people will die if people just people just allow the virus to spread and build up a natural immunity to it. Well, let me offer my um, opinion, which is based on nothing, uh, to, to sort of counter this expert opinion. I'm going to offer my completely ill-informed opinion and say you should buy two thousand dollars worth of toilet paper. And run amok in the grocery store. That should that, that's my. Kind of All you really need to survive is toilet paper and Purell. Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, honestly, when I first started teaching in like 1998, I was sick for. I, I just felt run down for a period of time because. Like, you're around all these kids. I taught, like, fifth grade or sixth grade at the time. Oh, it's a Petri dish. Yeah. But then after that first year, I, I rarely got sick. I would usually get the flu very badly once a year. And I, I would really feel awful for about three days. And then, you know, I just 
slept and ate and you know drank water and whatnot maybe took some advil but yeah after a while i, I you, your body builds up an immune system but we don't live in a society like that we, we live in a society that panics at the drop of a hat can't build up an immunity to anything is so adverse to discomfort and any kind of pain that no you just can't can't handle it well i i was and that's very true and i was <clears throat> i was at the uh, supermarket uh, this past weekend and i'm in line it's a long line and this guy comes up from behind me and boom starts chatting it up this guy was probably somewhere between like maybe 85 and 87 and he's getting closer and closer to me i'm like (laughs) i'm like buddy like social distance yeah you don't he had like a full cart and he's talking about the madness i felt bad for the guy because probably no one spoke to him because they assume that he has the coronavirus he had (laughs) He has no one to go out and buy him stuff, you know, but I'm thinking to myself is like, I'm not afraid that he's going to give it to me. I'm afraid that I might be carrying it and I'm going to give it to him and kill this guy. Right. Like, you have to, you have to assume that, especially if you're over the age of 60, do not do that. Just don't. Don't go out, and I know it's, I'm telling you, as a result of this, we're going to have, there's already um, uh, cases or it's kind of a pandemic of loneliness. I mean, there's going to be, this this social isolation is only going to add fuel to that fire, especially with older people. I feel terrible. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are very socially isolated anyway, and with the advent of the internet have become even more so uh, i went out to dinner last night and the place was jumping people were having a wonderful time because it was packed you know having it's because you it's because you live in massachusetts their their attitude to this is like screw it bring it, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> well new york I, I leaving the schools open i mean well de blasio made some good points he was like look first of all a lot of kids get their meals from school that's one thing and another thing is they need adult supervision like their parents work and otherwise they're going to be out on the streets congregating and whatnot. And I mean, the thing that I don't really understand is like, I went to the supermarket. Okay. There were easily more than 200 people in the supermarket. There were easily more people at the mall yesterday, I would say. So I don't really understand like canceling the Boston marathon. Like I I don't understand that it's uh, people are going to go places because they have to. Like the grocery store. I mean, you can't not go. You have to get food. So, well, I, I mean, know. you know, it's it's a difficult look. The thing is, is that the it incubates for anywhere between I think five to fourteen days or whatever. And what you don't want is you don't want the hospitals to get overrun. So basically, what's happening in Italy, you don't want that to happen here. It'll just be a nightmare. Oh, and yeah, it's not yeah. so much like the kids. Like the kid, like kids are almost immune to this. I mean, there it's uh, very, very few cases cases of kids. But leaving the school system open, you are then subjugating their parents to this, 
to possible infection, the grandparents, the teachers, and then everyone yes. within their social circles. So it's not just the children, and I understand that. Parents will still go to work. Uh, kids um, rely on school for meals. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, kids are could be a single parent household or could be both parents working. I get all that, but you don't want um, you don't want this to overrun the the healthcare system. That because that because what happens, what the fear is, is the severity of the disease when it gets into the um, full blown out coronavirus. You know, it's pneumonia, ventilators. There's only so many um, ICUs, only so many ventilators. And like in Italy, uh, they are deciding who's going to die. It's not a, yeah. that's not a fun place to be. No, but as you were saying with the guy from the CDC, it, you know, it seems like he might say, well, yeah, we should have the Boston Marathon or the parade. Like, they're outdoor events. I mean, it's... Again, yeah, you're, I mean, you're... outdoor events, I, I think that, like, I told my parents are all, they're both over 60. And I was like, listen, don't go to the stores. I'll go shopping for you. But go to parks, like, yeah. walk around, get out, it's walk around, go to the outside. beach. Yeah. You're not going to, you know, just don't touch anything. You're just going to walk around and, you know, avoid close talkers. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, you're again, you're just damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I mean, if you don't panic and go to the grocery store and buy everything and this lasts for a month, then people will be like, well, why didn't you get prepared? Or if Bill de Blasio opens the schools or closes the schools, either way, people are going to be unhappy. Yeah, you just got to you got to take precautions. I mean, that, that's no, the there's no plan for this. I mean, there's no like this has never come up. Do you remember anything like this ever happening? No, I mean there was like SARS and there was like the bird flu and stuff, yeah, but I don't remember this schools or anything. I mean, that no, was... and there's a Ebola. It felt like it just was over in that part of the world and kind of stayed there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I so it, did, it didn't spread this way. I remember the swine flu, and I did stay. This is when I was teaching in East Harlem. So this is like 2010. 2009, 2010, and I did stay home one day because I had a fever, and they were like. You have a fever, you know, that's your cue to stay home. But no school closings or anything like that. Um, anyway, so dear listeners, we just want to, you know, every podcast will we'll keep up with this because it is an unfolding, ongoing situation. But we do want to get into specific topics as well, dealing with the workplace. And um, today we are talking about workplace violence and uh, OSHA which I can't remember what that stands for, but it's the like health and safety uh, organization. I, th I think it's the Occupational Safety and Health Organization. So like basically... Yeah, it's, it's something like that. OSHA comes, they make sure that the um, the place you're working in is, is safe and that it's, you know, not... Nobody's going to get hurt. Nobody's going to catch a terrible disease, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they define workplace violence as violence or the threat of violence against workers. It can occur at or outside the workplace and can range from threats and verbal abuse to physical assault and homicide. One of the leading causes of job-related deaths is homicide. It's a growing concern for employers and employees 
nationwide. Now, certainly from John, I have been subject to threats, verbal abuse, and physical assaults in the past. Um, well, that's just uh, that's just the cost of doing business. A lot of people would say I had it coming most of the time and have little sympathy <laughs> for me. <laughs> I mean, if we weren't constantly lobbying threats at each other, it would be uh, it would be like a Buddhist retreat. Yeah, it'd be silence. I know. Well, how else do you run an organization without screaming in people's faces? Yes, yeah, slamming on the table, throwing chairs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the, my. That's my key when I enter in a meeting. I take a chair and I toss it across the room. Across the room <laughs> and yell, "God damn it!" <laughs> Slam on the table. And, there are people and, no, like and that. nobody knows. Nobody knows why I'm pissed off. The numbers could have came in great. Well, you're not great. pissed off. It's just control. That 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 control. Is how, yes, that's how people control other people. I mean, a lot of times they're just sociopaths and they love humiliating people but that's how that's like a, a, a technique you come in you might be the nicest guy one day or the nicest woman on tuesday and on wednesday you're just ripping into me Rarin. and there's no rhyme or reason, you know no um love it so the society of human resource management or the shrm or shroom as i like to call it says that nearly half of human resources professionals said that their organization had at some point experienced a workplace violent incident. Workplace violence incident up from 36% in 2012. Well, let me just say, if I worked for the Society of Human Resource Management, I wouldn't inflict violence upon myself. <laughs> I, wouldn't that be great if some of these incidents occurred at the Society of Human Resources <laughs> Management? There was, you know, some, some boss assaults. Uh, well, didn't you say at Morgan Stanley, your manager punched a guy so hard he knocked his tooth out? Yep. Yeah. And he also th- he also threatened to punch me. And HR was was called into the room was this uh, to defuse the situation. Yes. Yeah. He, thre- he really threatened to punch you? Yeah. No, it wasn't just... He, it wasn't a verbal threat. He he got up to punch me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then uh, HR uh, <laughs> rushed the room. Well, a lot of these... I worked for a guy when I worked on Law & Order. Oh, my God. The key grip on that. He got up. He had his finger in my face. F you. Blah, blah, blah. You piece of... Blah, blah. And he would... Do, I mean, he would just fly off the handle. He was nuts. Absolutely not. He ended up getting fired after a while because people just couldn't put up with it anymore. I mean, they were basically like, look, you can't threaten people. Like, in the in front of 50 other crew members, you can't <laughs> threaten people. He actually got And he continued to do it? Uh, well, I was a day player. I was never a member of the union. But, yeah, it happened to me sometimes. Like, you know, probably three, four times. It happened to everybody, pretty much. Like, he would get in people's fit. Guys would quit. They wouldn't work for him. Um, so, you know, I guess from their perspective, if he, he, he actually got into a physical confrontation, not on that show, on another show I heard about. He got into a shoving match with the gaffer in front of everyone. Like, he, it was something about... It, I think this was the story. Uh, the The camera person asked him if he could move a piece of equipment back about three inches 
because it was in the shot. And it set him off? And he wouldn't do it. And he's, he goes, readjust the frame to the... Oh. Which, for people not in the know, like, these things are a matter of inches, the lighting and all of that. They, so the gaffer's like, I guess, was like, move that thing, and boom, they got into it. They had to be separated. These are two men in their 50s. Had to be physically Jesus. separated from each other. Um, so... I guess it's on the rise. Uh, some 2 million American workers are victims of workplace violence each year. No one is immune, but some are more vulnerable than others. 2 million is a big number. That's a big number. And, well, I mean, that covers threats. Um, now, some people, and this is not to excuse any of this, but some people perceive a threat as, somewhat differently than others. Like, I remember being in a meeting at, at not the school where I teach now, but a different school. And afterwards, these other teachers were like, could you believe the way the department head went after this? So, And I didn't notice anything. Meaning, I guess some people tend to be a little more sensitive to it than others. Um, right. I figure if someone's not physically threatening me, I don't really care. Like, it doesn't really matter that much to me. But, you know, some people perceive what people say to them as more aggressive or whatever. Um, so however you want to define that, 2 million Americans are victims of workplace violence each year. Uh, so some of the more vulnerable um, workers are those who exchange money with the public, delivery, uh, who deliver passengers, goods or services, so meaning cab drivers, DoorDash people, that kind of thing. People who work alone or in small groups during late night or early morning hours, who work in high crime areas, uh, community settings and homes where they have extensive contact with the public, healthcare and social service workers, visiting nurses, psychiatric evaluators, probation officers, that kind of makes sense, gas and utility employees, phone and cable, TV installers, retail workers, letter carriers, taxi drivers. Well, this kind of covers the gamut of everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, and it, it makes sense. I mean, if if you're a, a lot of these positions are public facing, where you're you could be dealing with. Um, well, if you're you know, a social worker, I, you're by definition going into precarious situations. You know, it's actually you know one of the ones that um, that's not listed that it was a surprise to me is um, uh, you know people who work in the airlines, you know. I mean, people. I've seen people go up to the counter and just lose their crap. Well, but if you these days, if you lose it in an airport or on an airplane, like you're subject to. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, the you're consequences are. But you're right. Some people don't care about the consequences. Some people just no. They lose their minds and. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to visit homes, you know, again, if you're a social worker, like. If you've been called to a home, there's obviously a problem, or otherwise you wouldn't be there. So you could easily see, you know, a parent, if, if, if the social worker says something to them, like you're not taking care of your child properly, boom, that could turn into a pretty dicey situation. I mean, people... Or if were, they're going to take your kid. Oh, yeah. You I know. Mean, that, that is by definition, a, a, I would say, a situation that could easily involve violence. Well, you remember the, uh, when John and I went to a college in the South Bronx, which I come from a 
a, a place, and I think you do as well, that is a little foreign, like they're a little different, you know? It's like I grew up in the suburbs. South Bronx is kind yes. of a different animal. Yeah, just a touch. Yeah. Same here. And you'd see those stores, the bodegas. They would be like, behind, after like 9 o'clock at night, you couldn't even physically enter the store. Like they no. had those, those bo- they, they were behind plexiglass and they had these Like uh, the plexiglass was like eight inches thick. Yeah. And you could only get stuff through a little window that had a box that turned around. <laughs> <laughs> when I first encountered this, I was like, what is going on here? And I mean, the Bronx, South Bronx talk about a high crime area. Like, yes. Yeah, so oh, yeah. High, high crime I, area. Across the street was like the worst high school in America. Teddy right? Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, yeah. 5,000 kids enrolled in one high school. Oof. You remember when that we were told specifically to stay away from that place between the hours of like 2 and 3 because that's when all the kids got out of school? And yes. I, I've, I witnessed it. It was absolute chaos. Chaos. Yeah. Cops yeah. everywhere. And that was a normal day. Um, teachers. They didn't put teachers in here. Uh, but there have certainly been teachers who have been subject to threats and violence. Uh, what about um, referees of like kids' games? Oh, my God. Well, you've witnessed this a lot more than I have. Oh, you? yeah. And there have yeah. been physical confrontations, hasn't there? Absolutely. Police have been called. Grown men rolling on the floor. <laughs> I mean... Oh, over and this is like over a soccer game, a middle school soccer uh, right, game. a soccer game or a basketball game. Like, what do you have a thousand dollars on one team or something? Like, oh, it's mad. It's just terrible. That's really uh, that's sad. I mean, that is sad. Um, it is sad. Near me, this grocery store near me. This is about three years ago. You know, I don't know if they do this in your grocery stores, but like on Saturday mornings, they give out samples of stuff like yep, whatever right. it is. A guy was apparently <laughs> he wanted more samples, and finally the guy giving out samples <laughs> refused. Was it cut the guy off, so the guy punched him <laughs> oh. over the samples. I mean, oh, really? And this is a suburban grocery store. Like you, you don't expect you know that kind of. Uh, thing uh to happen there I, people get so irate over the dumbest well you know my father was a lawyer and it, it's people like that who kept people like him in business because people do the oh, most it's, i mean they're they're clearly underlying issues oh i mean yeah, it's not just management. what's happening yeah. like not getting your next cheese puff at the uh <laughs> Well, it may have been that guy visited his probation officer or got a visit from his probation officer and that didn't go well. So now he's he's in a mood, not in a mood to be denied anything, you know. All right. So there are four types of workplace violence that are five types. Uh, Criminal intent. The perpetrator has no legitimate relationship to the business or its employees and is usually committing a crime in conjunction with that violence. So like if a store is getting robbed. There is violence due to a customer or client. So someone who's just, you know, in the store is pissed off or someone who's angry at their accountant or whatever. There's worker on worker violence. There is personal relationship, domestic violence. I guess if that kind of spills over into the workplace. And then there's something called ideological violence. 
which I guess if like somebody's an ardent Trump supporter and they're calling somebody else, uh, you know, I don't know, wishy-washy liberal or something, or, or maybe religious, you know, if they're making comments about their religion or something like that, right, or sexuality, right. whatever. Um, so there were some incidents that I uh, researched. There's a newspaper called The Chief in New York, which I remember seeing in newsstands. It's like kind of... The Chief. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, local newspaper. Um, There were a a spate of violent attacks on bus drivers along specifically the B-15 route, which services the airport. Now, I've heard of attacks on bus drivers because, you know, you're very vulnerable. You, You know, I mean, you're just sitting there. And there's been right. You're not you're not behind like plexiglass. Well, I think or... they are now. I think there's a divider now. But you know, people have been bus drivers have been spit on. They've been assaulted. They've been you know some nutcase or somebody doesn't pay the fare. And you know, if you're driving at midnight and you're in certain parts of the city, you're very vulnerable. Um, yeah, on to February, say the least. On February 19th, just before midnight, Alan Brown was dragged off his bus at JFK Terminal 5 and assaulted by an unknown person. He suffered a broken ankle and may have to retire. On February 11th, so just eight days before that, Matthew Ashby was smashed in the face with a five-pound padlock. He needed ten stitches. He's 65 years old. What kind of person smashes anyone in the face with a padlock, but you know, a sixty-five-year-old man, like how cowardly is that? In two thousand, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, again, there's there's underlying issues. This could be gang violence, you know. It could be like you, this. This is initiation, or I know, but you you're know, carrying, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're you're carrying a padlock with the. I mean, nobody carries a five-pound padlock around with them just to uh, have it with them. Um, in 2008, Edwin Thomas, 46 years old, was stabbed to death along the B-46 route. He told a rider that his fare card was invalid and he could not have a transfer. That's what sparked the stabbing death. Uh, Jesus. Joe Patafio, the local 100 vice president for the NYCT Surface Transportation Union, also references bus operators being cursed at, spat at, windows being pounded on other kind of microaggressions uh quote these assaults are part of a marked increase in violence against both subway and bus operators that appears to be part of a national trend there's a 10 percent increase in assaults last year that were serious enough to prompt felony charges which have also prompted like there are much more serious uh penalties like up to seven years in prison for assaulting an mta worker or a bus driver Something like that. I mean, the New York City subway is rife with uh, aggression. So if you're working for the yeah, MTA, but I, I feel I feel like you know if you're if you're the conductor of the train, you're kind of like in that your own box. And then the I don't know. Do they still have people that are like sell the MTA, or is it all cards now? Like all there ATM are people machines. In the booths. Yeah, but they're like they're kind of protected. They are, they are. But I mean, you you can. I, I've seen like MTA workers on the platforms. I've seen them like, 
They actually had a, a yes, guy they just, are they are out and about at yeah. Times Square. They had a guy just greeting people, saying like, "Hey, welcome, da da da." You know, you need anything? And what, that was unheard of when I lived in New York. And there are some dicey subway stops. Ooh. Like Ooh. you don't want to be there. I remember I wandered into the. Uh, I used to always get off at the Tremont stop in the Bronx, which had the dubious honor a couple of years of being the highest murder rate in the city which is no you're doing the work i mean you're the highest yeah murder rate. yeah you're doing the work and one time i i wandered down to the station at 174th street and there is no one in there there are no mta workers oh. it's pretty much abandoned and I, I didn't know that i walked down there and i'm looking around there's just people around I mean, it was it was probably four in the afternoon, and but it was just such a creepy situation. I was like, "Just get me out of yeah, here!" Something, yeah, something bad is going to happen. It was. It almost felt like a trap. It almost felt like you weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> like the subway should have been cl- that station should have been closed, and then I go wandering down there. I mean, nothing happened, but you could easily see it happening. There's no one around. No cops. Right, there's no right. TA workers. Nobody. Um, so folks, hopefully you are not experiencing any of this at your place of work, but, uh, there are certain signs if, you know, somebody is acting irrationally, if they've made threats, they just grabbed a guy in New Hampshire a couple of weeks ago. He was circling. He he had been fired. I mean, that's one thing. If somebody gets fired, you know, not obviously most people don't get fired. Let me rephrase that. Most people who get fired don't return with the intent of violence, but if they're already on the verge, losing their job might be like the last straw. Remember that movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas? Yes, it's a great movie. He was like totally at the end of his rope. <laughs> he just, yes. You know. Yeah. I think he was like, the, it was in the beginning when he was in like terrible traffic in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he punches And he just got out yeah. and, and abandoned his car. Who hasn't had that dream? <laughs> Of just getting, just walking away yeah, from your getting car. Out. Anyway, this guy in New Hampshire, uh, he was circling the job he'd been fired from. And he had like three or four guns in his car. And apparently he had called somebody with a threat. Which makes me think he didn't really want to do anything. He, he just wanted to scare people. So the cops showed up and there was a standoff and they eventually arrested the guy. But, you know, somebody gets fired from a job and maybe their marriage is on the rocks and something else has happened. Uh, That's what always makes me leery of people. Like, you never know where they're at in their life at the moment you encounter them. Yeah, and, you know, and it's it's also, too, is just bringing it back to the coronavirus. We could see violence in hospitals. Say, you you know, you you go there... um, you know, you, you can't get admit your loved one can't get admitted, um, or you know you're in the workplace. Your worker comes in, has the coronavirus, gives it to you. I mean, there are so many scenarios where people could just, you know, there was there's uh, a perfect example that should have incited some violence, but it didn't. There was a a gentleman who was flying from New York down to Florida. Before he gets with him and his wife, before he gets on the flight, he gets a call that he's confirmed he's got the coronavirus, gets on the flight, still gets on the flight, flies down there and probably infected 
all the people sitting around him. I mean, that guy is probably a line out the door to punch that guy in the face. Didn't he inform? I, I read about this. He's been banned, I think. Yeah, I think JetBlue has banned him for life. Yeah, I mean, I, what kind of person does something like that? I mean, yeah, it's just just totally not caring about anybody else's health and no, safety and yeah, he just wants to get down he just wants to get down to Florida. And then everyone told, else be damned. I don't really know why yeah. he told them after that. I would have just left the airport and not said anything to anybody. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he thought he had a crisis of conscience or something and I mean, I was in the supermarket uh <clears throat> Friday and it was a lot, I, I wasn't expecting it to be that crowded, but it was pretty mobbed. People were fine, but there was a certain level of frustration that, like, you're trying to get your cart around, you're trying to, like, the lines are so long, they're blocking the aisles. And people were generally being pretty nice to each other. But if this dragged on for another month, you could easily see that mood change where, oh yeah, you know. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. It could it could bring about the worst in us. But, a little know, bit of violence. We're so spoiled in this country. I mean, we're so spoiled. Other countries like Libya, Somalia. You know, I, I was in the kitchen yesterday. I turned on the water to fill up a pitcher. And it's like, I just expect hot water, cold water, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. It's yeah, and, and if you and if you don't, you're on the phone screaming at no, someone. No, I would get panicked. Like I would get if that didn't happen. If I turned on the thing and and no water came out, that to me would indicate a very serious problem. There are people oh, yeah, absolutely in Somalia who walk five miles a day to a well to get clean water. I mean, we just have clean water, drinkable water, and people still go out and buy bottled water. It's not good enough for them, the, the water coming no. out of the sink. It's not good enough for them. And, you know, you look at other countries, people in other countries, they have nothing. They have nothing. They can, like, if they get enough to eat that day, it's a victory. Here, forget it. It's just... Yeah, and you're yeah, here you're complaining if the barista messed up your Starbucks order. You're, talk, you're throwing cups. Talk about workplace violence. <laughs> <laughs> I just take it and slam it right off the smet. <laughs> the hot coffee goes everywhere, and I start saying, "I'm an American. I'm an American. I deserve to be treated better than this." But honestly, like, get not the, the house in New Hampshire. There was something wrong with the well. It was kind of collapsing in on itself because it's been there for God right. knows how many decades, and the water wasn't coming out because the sediment was building up. I was so thrown off. Like, I was like, Jesus, we don't have water. Like, how do you survive without water? And we had to right. come home. Right. We had to come back to to here. Because, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm like worse, you know, as bad as anybody else. It's like, can't get my, you know, uh, right. If I can't get my coffee, if I can't, whatever, my world just falls apart, you know, and I, I can't function. Can't yeah, function. no, and, and that's, I mean, that's the other thing about, you know, this, the coronavirus is the uncertainty of, you know, that's why there was a run on toilet paper. I mean, there's the, there, there's a run on meat as run on water. Like you go to the supermarket and it's, it seems to be it's toilet paper, paper towels, meats, but certain types of meats and 
of, of course, like Purell. And then there was one other one that I was going to mention. Was this something else? I noticed people buying a lot of frozen foods, like frozen meals and things. Yeah, frozen stuff. Because they think that, you know, if it gets if it gets really bad, that all the supply chains will break down. This really... Did you see the movie Children of Men? Remember that Children movie? of Men. It was uh, no. Clive Owen and the last child had been born... Oh yes, there have been yeah, no children did, yeah. born for eight. That was years. a lo- that was a long time ago. Geez, that was a long time ago. That is one of my absolute favorite movies. I, I love everything about it. The way it was shot, I love the story, and it was. Like, oh, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Oh, it's I mean, so good. What was that? Was that made in the eighties or the nineties? No, no, it was two thousands. It was in the two thousands. It was two thousands. Yeah, yeah, easily in the two thousands. Um, I can look it up real quick, but. You know, the premise is that no children have been born in 18 years. Nobody knows why. And they don't specify why. It was just some sickness. Was it based on a book? It may have been. Hold on. Children of Men. See, that pops right up here. I bet other people have been looking at this, too. Children of Men, 2006. Okay. All right. Based on the science women. Uh, co-written by, based on P.D. James' 1992 novel, The Children of Men. P.D. James, I've heard of. Anyway, uh, the world just is in chaos. Like, it, there's there's rioting, there's uh, food, for no real reason. You know, it's just like, I guess they feel like the human race is dying out, so everybody's filled with this existential nihilism, and, you know, like, uh, there's just all kinds of chaos. Xenophobia... And all of that, and and it kind of like this sort of it puts me in mind of it, especially when I saw, which put me more in mind of um, that Will Smith movie uh, where he's the last guy. That it was, oh yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what the name of that movie is. Damn, I can't remember. Um, last, no, I am Legend. Legend, right? Yep. And they, they, I don't know if it was that or World War Z, which was another zombie movie, but they were holding up scanners to people's eyes. And I saw yes. pictures of people having a scanner. Right, in South Korea. Yeah, yep. held up to their forehead. And I think that was, that they were like, I think it takes your temperature, right? Those. Something like, yeah, yeah, the corona thing does. Yeah, I don't know what the zombie thing was. But it, it reminds, like, you know, not to minimize this or anything or, or anybody who gets it or people who are at risk, but like we've been through worse, you know what I mean? But now the panic levels, I don't know if it's social media, the over-reporting of it, the relentless reporting of it, just gets people so like, I don't know, fired up and, and panicked. You know, but it's, it, the the issue was it was the unknown and the, the information coming out of China which was like ground zero. Um, you, you look, once more information comes out and we know how, you know, what the infection rates are going to be, what the cure rates, how quickly it's going to spread, it's going to be out of the news cycle in a couple of months. I mean, look, the reality is I wouldn't be surprised if infection rates worldwide broke a million and there, you know, as a result, there would be, you know, it could be millions and millions of infections and hundreds of thousands of deaths, right? Yeah. I mean, it could. And, yeah, it could. and it could, it could happen. And, you know, how many people die from the flu every year, right? right? It's 
it's over a hundred thousand, but we're it's a big number and it's terrible for the those families associated who lost those loved ones. But we accept that. Like we accept the death rate. But think about that. Like yeah. w- worldwide, I know in the US it's like forty thousand. Die from the flu. Yeah, die from the flu. I know. And it's and like, let's well, see. why isn't there a panic over that? <laughs> but there's a panic over this. Like I just yeah, flu kills roughly between 300 and 650,000 people worldwide every year. 650,000 people a year? Yes, yeah, so, somewhere between that. So let's just say half a million. Half a million people. Jesus. Now, now coronavirus, could that, that's what this could end up being. Or it could be double that. Or it could be triple that. But... It, you know, it's the, it's the unknown and that's what people are panicking and the fear is spreading. It's the unknown of like what this is. Cause we, ex- I mean, we accept that number. Well, how we, many it's people like, die no one... in car accidents every year? Oh, it's great. Yeah. A lot. I, don't, I don't know what this is. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what this is. Or mean, everybody drives. So, I mean, you know, it's like, okay, how many people Or, die or you know, every cardio, cardiovascular disease, yeah. lung disease. I mean, cancer. I we accept that those are big numbers, but we accept them. This, the coronavirus, we don't. Well, you know, I'm Bill de Blasio. I know some people really vilify him. I, I don't, you know, obviously I don't live in New York city, so I, I don't really know. I mean, he's of my political stripe, I would say. I don't like him. I don't like him the least bit. Well, he did. He said, uh, this, this may go on for six months. And again, it's it's statements like that where it's like, okay, are you basing that on something someone told you, like a medical person, or are you just saying that? And if you're just saying that, maybe you need to kind of watch your words, you know, because... Well, I don't think anyone knows. Right, that's you know, the point. I think it, I think it's definitely going to go on for weeks yeah, and prob- possibly months, you know, one to two months. Will it go on for three months, four months, six months, eight months? Nobody knows that. Uh, but it, but it's always going to be with us. Like the virus is now here. Yeah, here. It's not like you're going to eradicate the virus. I mean, even the flu is not. No, it's here. I mean, we get it all the time. Nobody it's here, and you get, um, you know, you get a flu shot. But you, sometimes that flu shot doesn't work because it's a different strain. Yeah. There is a vaccine for the flu. The question is, will there be a vaccine for the coronavirus? How many strains are there? You know, it's here to stay. So it's not going to disappear. It's just going to be mitigated to you some extent. You know what I'll bet sales are way up of? Liquor, alcohol. People are probably Booze. stocking yeah. up. <laughs> Man. They got, they're quarantined in the house. Hey, if you're a teacher, for the next two weeks in Massachusetts, you're not doing anything. So no, hey, might as well H- hitting the hitting the bottle and Netflix every night about ten o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what else do you have to do? All day? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Netflix and a, a bottle, a couple of liters of wine, you'll be all good, all good to go. All right, folks. So listen, you heard it here from the working experience. Don't panic, don't panic, and also don't assault your coworkers. All right, try to yeah, keep those, your that's two in valuable pieces of information. Don't panic, don't assault your co-workers okay and and watch what you say and and try not to antagonize we all have that person we work with who 
I mean, I certainly do. I have one guy in mind who I always think is a little on the edge. I always think <laughs> that guy's about, I don't know, he's about uh, three or four steps away from just cracking wide it, it's, open. It's like, a, it's like a boulder on a precipice. Exactly. Just balancing. All it just needs is a little bit of wind. Dane uh, Cook, you know, the comedian, Dane Cook. Yes. He had a yeah, great routine yeah. about the creepy guy in the office. He's like, there's, <laughs> there's one freak. And he's like, I talk to that guy every day. I bring him candy and snacks. And I, because when he snaps, <laughs> when he comes back with an AK 47, I don't want to be the one getting shot. I'm like, that's right. You got to find that person. You got to be that. It's a good strategy. Best buddy. All the time. Best friend. Yeah. All right, Best everybody. Friend. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, be safe. Be healthy. And tune into the work. When in doubt, tune into the working experience, right? Yeah, it'll calm, it'll calm the fears. It'll calm you down. It'll and, calm. And, and, and shortly, we're coming out with our... Soap. Our products, yeah. our our soap. <laughs> I'm not our sure Purell. It meets the FDA definition of soap, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I mean, right no. now we're getting a lot of pushback from legal oh. on some of the terminology we're using. So once we once we get over that hump, you guys are going to have this the soap that is will immunize you from just about anything. And they- they always want to do more tests and make sure it actually Ugh. works. <laughs> I'm like, guys, it's the fine you, print. You got this backwards. You get the product out there while the panic is at its height. See, I, I wonder how long if we put it up on Amazon, how long <laughs> it would last. <laughs> I, I actually, I have a confession to make. I ordered toilet paper from Amazon because I was starting to get a little. But worried. So many of it, so much of it was sold out. It was out of stock. Yeah, it's crazy. I had to buy this one, like, kind of organic, naturalistic brand that was like three times the cost of normal toilet paper. But I thought, if I don't do this, I'm going to be kicking myself in about a month. (laughs) You know what I mean? There, there are some things in modern society you need. (laughs) Yes, yes. Can't do without that. Well, I heard that. was it bidets? Like sales of bidets are going through the roof. I've never understood the bidet. I don't, I've never used one. I've yeah. stayed in hotels. I've used. I've used one. Yeah. I've used it. I don't know. It never caught on in America. Never really. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening, and stay tuned. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media, and the Still Believe app the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.